Coming to your galaxy, June 23rd, 2023. Star Wars, a KOTOR story. Bastila, part one. Strike. A handful of Jedi made it through. Lord Revan must be their objective. Brace for impact. Why isn't Shan using her battle meditation? Let's remind the Jedi what happens when the weak seek to match metal with the Dark Lords of the Sith. Sir, from the surviving officer's reports, Lord Revan has gone down with the ship. He's still alive. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. The question is what choice? Rebellions are built on hope. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me. Alright everyone, welcome back to the Old Republic Podcast. We hope that everyone had a fantastic uh, May the 4th, aka Star Wars Day, uh, this past week, and hopefully you got to do some fun things. Maybe you got to go out and see Return of the Jedi, maybe you got to buy some new merchandise, uh, or maybe... Uh, you got up in the morning, grabbed a cup of coffee, sat down, and watched all nine episodes of Visions 2, which exactly what I did uh, myself. Uh, I was very excited about this, and uh, yeah, very excited to get on the podcast and talk about it. Uh, Cassio, were you able to take in all of Visions Volume 2 on May the 4th? Or Yeah, kind of throughout the day, some gaps to do some other things, uh, and I also worked on the bastila audio drama with you so that oh, was yeah. fun that's right yeah absolutely uh it was a day of work and a day of uh rest uh may the 4th so we've got the uh bastila audio drama is coming together nicely look for more information about that coming your way soon but uh visions volume 2 was uh pretty epic in scale um very um you know, absolutely loved Visions Volume 1. So definitely we're excited to talk about it, but we don't want to talk about it alone. So we decided to have uh, our friend Joe come onto the podcast to chat about it. Uh, Joe, welcome to the Old Republic Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Joe, before we get started, why don't you tell everyone out there a little bit about yourself, kind of, you know, what, you know, what got you into Star Wars or what kind of your favorite part of Star Wars is and, uh, you know, what you were what you were getting up to on May the 4th. Um, I've been in Star Wars as long as I can remember, and it's it's for me, it's all about the story. I, I have yet to find a Star Wars story that I don't like for the most part. Um, even though you know, when the prequels came out and everybody was hating on those, you know, I, I even like episode one, so <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, for May the 4th, I, I really unfortunately I have a full time job that I had to do, um, so didn't get to do a whole lot. I got about halfway through uh, vision season two, but didn't get to see return of the Jedi. Like I planned on, but I usually kind of take the whole month of May for, for star Wars and, and just rewatch everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good strategy because it gets a little bit uh, overwhelming uh, trying to keep track of everything on May the 4th, especially because we just had celebration just a couple weeks ago. So all the announcements and uh, stuff and merchandise coming out from that. And then to, is like a double whammy uh, here getting into uh, May the 4th for sure. So, um, 
yeah, Vision Volume 2, like I said a couple of times there, it was uh, something that we were definitely looking forward to, especially here um, at the Old Republic podcast. Uh, we both really enjoyed Visions Volume 1. We you know, covered it last year, so go uh, search that out uh, if you want. But real quickly, let's just kind of... Let's kind of go around uh, the room here a little bit. Uh, Cassia, uh, Visions Volume 1, what were kind of your your key takeaways of it? Um, you know, what were you excited about seeing? And after you saw it, what did you like about it? And um, I guess just kind of just go back in time a little bit and tell us about your Visions Volume 1 experience. None of us really knew what Visions was going to be. And I was kind of like, let me guess, they're going to like do animated portions of like episode four because they are and then it ended up just being like lots of different uh <laughs> anime studios i mean that um, also would have been pretty cool to be fair but <laughs> it would have been cool but maybe a little repetitive you know mm. and okay i think what we got was a whole lot more creative and maybe I don't know, like, I think visions could inspire people just as much as, you know, like Star Wars did when it came out, you know, and mm -hmm. it was kind of nice just to see like all of the different anime studios covering Star Wars in a different way uh, than we, we've seen a lot before, you know, and it was nice to kind of see Star Wars kind of acknowledge the debt, I think, that Japanese culture and Akira Kurosawa films and other Japanese films uh, gave to Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely harkened back to some of those kind of original themes that you saw, um, you know, in George Lucas's storytelling and things like that. And uh, yeah, for me, Visions Volume 1 was um, was something I was definitely looking forward to. It was, you know, it was an interesting take on kind of this galaxy that you love um, in a format, to be honest, that I'm not super familiar with. Um, I've not really ever gotten into um, like Japanese anime uh, animation really too much uh, myself. So I was I was kind of a, a newbie in that stance, but um, I really liked the doors that it was able able to open and kind of the studios and uh you know kind of their dedication to wanting to tell these stories and what was giving them inspiration uh joe what about you uh visions volume one was it something you were looking forward to uh, were you familiar with like these uh you know anime studios or uh, what was your experience like with visions uh the first season i wasn't familiar with the studios themselves but i was definitely familiar with the art style um, i have been in uh anime fan for a while too so the art style and the storytelling style i was familiar with but the expectation of of the uh episodes was awesome like you guys said not knowing what what to expect or what it was going to be but to be able to see somebody take a already created universe and put their uh point of view on it yeah absolutely i like that it kind of it took down the boundaries of what a Star Wars uh, story needed to be, right? It had kind of the same the same themes and, you know, emotions and things, but it didn't have to really kind of play in that sandbox. It could spread its wings a little bit. And um, I found that very interesting uh, for myself. And I think uh, you did too, Cassia, you know, as people who uh, really love stories and telling stories and engaging with stories, it was interesting to see different viewpoints and different takeaways on, you know, things like what the force meant and uh, what it could accomplish. And, you know, those themes of found family and stuff like that, that we got in visions yeah. volume one. So uh, we had that. It was great. They announced that we're going to get visions volume two. Uh, it's coming, we knew. Uh, they kind of teased out a little bit of the studios that were uh, going to be coming uh, with the Visions Volume 2, and it was going to be a little bit of a different take, right? Uh, we still had a Japanese studio uh, doing one, but they were going to be from 
animation studios around the world. So it's going to have a little bit of a different taste. So um, Cassia, let's start with you. What were you um, kind of looking forward to or excited about with Visions Volume 2? Or uh, were you just hoping for more good stories? Or uh, what were you looking forward to when you sat down to watch it last week? I was excited for the uh, Visions Volume 2. I didn't really keep up like the news about Visions. Like if I had listened to Celebration or like just like Googled it, I probably would have figured it out. But I think it's funny because I was like, you know what would be awesome if they would do like if Cartoon Saloon like did a Visions episode and then you're like, Cassia, they announced that at Celebration, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. cool. Well, I guess that's good that it's coming, you know. So um, it was nice to see, like, that the emphasis is kind of, like, on the whole world. Um, they kind of opened it, like, you know, hearkening back to what inspired George Lucas. And then we get to kind of see uh, animation from, like, you know, like, Ireland, France, uh, India, Japan, all over the world. So I like that um, emphasis. Yeah, absolutely. I think your way of doing it was better than mine because I knew that Cartoon Saloon was doing one for a long time. Um, I was very excited about it. I uh, love kind of their Book of Kells uh, trilogy that they did. So I knew about it for a long time. So uh, <laughs> I was excited about it forever. You only got to be excited about it for like two weeks, but maybe that's yeah, that's better. Like on the <laughs> on the heart and stuff, you don't have to have to think about it too much. But uh, Joe, yeah. what do you think? What do you think? Volume two was coming out. Did you keep up on it? Were you excited about it did you watch the celebration panel about it or uh what were your thoughts i guess uh for visions volume two looking for more of the same looking for something different what did you think uh mixture of both a little bit of the same a little bit of something different um i wish i had time to watch the celebration stuff i, I really just caught the highlights um for you know the things that interested me uh but yeah definitely looking forward to more stories from vision two looking forward to new art styles to appreciate uh new stories I i'm all about stories i love stories awesome awesome yeah absolutely and we got some really good stories here uh from visions volume two so why don't we do this we're not going to go kind of like super in depth with each of these episodes um you know it, it just came out last week so people might be you know watching you know one or two a day so but i do want to talk a little bit about each of these you know hit on the you know the studio that made them and we can talk a little bit about uh what we liked about on the art style uh kind of stuff like that so uh episode one you turn on visions volume two you're going to get hit with sith by elgwiri studios um, and according to imdb a former sith apprentice leading a peaceful but isolated life is confronted by the past when her old master tracks her down uh so cassia uh you turn on visions volume two you press play uh sith comes up uh what'd you think it was an interesting title, and I didn't realize that the person, I thought they were just an artist who was a Force user, but then you kind of realize, like, they used to be a Sith. Um, but it, I love the painterly CGI, because it, it was kind of an aesthetic that informed the lead character and the story, and... Um, yeah, vision stories, I think, like, sometimes, like, understand and capture what Star Wars is better than some canon Star Wars stories. So it was a it was a good first parter. 
Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the art style and it is very, um, it is very interesting. It has kind of this high contrast and it is very um, painterly. Um, as you mentioned, Cassia, um, I really, I really liked you. You hit play and you turn this on and it's just that little droid ball just rolling around. And I'm like, is this going to be this droid rolling around for 15 minutes? Because sign me up for that because that's amazing. Um, I love you that. Love it, yeah. it, uh, it harkened back to that, uh, that kind of opening little bit there of, uh, Andor when B2 is just rolling down the road with his little, uh, bop going on. That was kind of the same vibes oh. I got there, got there from him. And then, uh, you know, having a coffee just like me, I was like, Hey, I'm starting my day off just like the Sith. So, um, uh, Joe, what do you, what do you think um uh the sith here from el guiri studios what did you think about this one any any thoughts or any uh comments on the art style here my first thought about the art style was cyberpunk mixed with graffiti artist mm. um maybe like a watercolor graffiti artist almost like a, a graffiti art that's been uh out in the rain too long uh very very unique and i loved it um especially there there's that i don't want to get too spoilery but there's that one scene where she's kind of painting the bubbles and they start to turn black you know mm -hmm. uh definitely kind of reminded me of things like uh do you ever see that movie idle hands you know where there's like a darkness within that's taking over a part of you yeah for sure i loved kind of kind of that you'd have like the paint droplets like coming up and you know she'd be seeing them you know kind of all colorful and then they would they would turn to black and uh you really were kind of kind of interested right uh this one did a really good job i think of getting you on the hook for um you know who who this character was and you know what she was doing what she was trying to paint and uh what she was seeing and then you get the uh the pretty amazing looking uh sith bad guy there um in this one that you'd seen in the trailers so that's where that's coming into the story i really loved the the kind of uh like motorcycle like the uh, it was like the it's kind of like the Darth Maul General Grievous uh, kind of like motorcycle wheel kind of thing. I thought that that looked really great and kind of the way that um, she utilized that uh, there. But yeah, I think that the Sith was a, a really great um, kind of kicking off point. It was a little bit more um, uh, higher contrast and uh, a little, uh, I guess, darker tone, maybe uh, kind of similar to what we got last year with the the first episode of the duel. So, um, yeah, had a, kind of those same vibes. And I was I was digging it. I love the Sith uh, for sure. Um, what do we got next? We are going to uh, one we hinted at, Cassia. That is Cartoon Saloon's Screechers <laughs> Reach. That is the uh, second one out here. Let's see what IMDb has to say about Screechers Reach. A young girl seeking reprieve from her days in a rural workhouse discovers a legendary haunted cave with her friends. The cave's dark pool will change the trajectory of her life forever. So we got a ghost story in Star Wars. Cassia, what do you think about... Uh, uh, cartoon saloon here uh bringing us screechers reach um it's hilarious because i i think i told you this but i used to think it was cartoon salon and i'm like oh that's a cool name but then i'm like oh they're cartoon saloon it's been a rhyme this whole time so um i'm just well learning. done well done well done Even... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cartoon Cartoon Saloon. Uh, have a have a couple of uh, Oscar nominations for best pictures. Uh, so yeah, I, I love their stories. I love kind of this Irish folklore uh, that they dig into, and definitely brought that here uh, with Screechers Reach. Yeah, and there's this like, I think I kind of forced Brian to to like Joseph Campbell, you know. But <laughs> I think like one of the things that kind of brought us together is joseph campbell and there's that apocryphal quote uh that 
he didn't say, but like it kind of um, summarizes like a lot of his sayings. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Uh, and there's lots of caves in Star Wars. Like it kind of evokes the concept of the dark side cave on Dagobah and even on Ock 2 and mm -hmm. many other mythic stories in our world. And I liked how it was horror and like kind of a ghost story. But what did you guys like most about this? Because I think I like that. I was kind of confused by this story because I was like, I thought they were trying to go the tr traditional good route. And mm -hmm. I was like, defeating, like killing, killing the ghost is not the way like forward to like progress on the good hero's journey, you know? But then like, I saw that like the story was meant to follow through on the dark side path while mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. on the surface, like appearing to be good. And I was like, this is a genius story. Like, they knocked it out of the park. What did you guys think? Um, well, touching on the hero's journey, I mean, nothing really says that that has to be a, a good hero. You know, it, it could also be construed as a villain's journey. So the dark side aspect of, of this story um, still fulfills the hero's journey aspect, I think, just in a, a different uh, point of view. That's true. I really love that little kid that was all like, I don't want to see the ghost. Oh, I saw the ghost, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, same. But yeah, I mean, I feel like the ghost was really a good representation of the dark side sort of unleashed, like the absolute worst the dark side could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely had kind of a, the ghost had kind of the supernatural uh, feeling to it right it was more of like a like a traditional like <laughs> like I, I guess ghost that you would get out of some sort of like fairy tale uh story there but uh yeah obviously um you know we've uh, sung the praises here of cartoon saloon uh this was this was one that i liked a lot i really liked um kind of the characters here and the kids and kind of how playful it was at, at the beginning and then you know it turns into this very uh somber somber tale of uh you know of the journey of this uh of this young girl and um you'd mentioned that it kind of goes down this dark side path and and it it does right in a way like you definitely feel like that's the way that it went but i guess i guess it kind of does cut so you're left you know kind of filling in those blanks with your own mind thinking the way that that it would have went um and it, but yeah you definitely get kind of kind of some uh more um you know, it, it leaves it up to interpretation uh, there for sure. But yeah, I, I too definitely got kind of, you know, taking the path of this uh, dark side vibes and, you know, claiming the lightsaber and uh, things like that. But uh, the story was great. Um, you know, we're all for uh, fairy tales here on the Old Republic podcast, and that is exactly what this was. So I uh, definitely need to see some more uh, Star Wars fairy tales for sure. Um, let's go ahead and take a look at episode three. That is In the Stars by Punk Robot from Chile. Uh, IMDb says that two sisters, the last of their kind, who live in hiding on the on their ravaged land, squabble about how to survive with the Empire encroaching. On a water run, the sisters must fight back when they are discovered. Uh, Cassia, it leaves out the very important fact that there is uh, cave paintings in this. Uh, what do you think about In the Stars? <laughs> you... I mean, this kind of just shows like how well you know me. Like you're like one of the episodes has emotional cave paintings. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm gonna watch all of them. Uh, but yeah, in the stars, it's a beautiful title. I like how it started. 
with uh with a star um i'm like oh helpful sisters you know like they kind of like don't get along but they love each other and i'm like oh that's cute and then um i think like star wars against industrialization is the best star wars and I mean, like, unfortunately, this is something that happens in our world, you know, like, uh, indigenous civilizations, like, can get colonized and the environment, uh, it takes a heavy toll on the environment and the people. Um, and it's something that uh, we we kind of see, like, in the Star Wars world with the Tuscans and we also covered Waterman, uh, which which kind of covered that as well. So mm -hmm. um, I liked that the overall message was hope, and like at the end, you're able to kind of see like the the hands, like kind of like they they shoot the the paint, the chalk uh, through the flute, and like you kind of don't even know like whose hands they are, but it's it's their people together, you know. So. I liked mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really beautiful tale. Um, and yeah, I, I sent you that message uh, pretty much uh, straight away. I was like, oh, there's cave paintings. You're gonna love it. So, um, Joe, what did you think about in the stars here? I thought it was awesome. I, I think it's funny actually. One of you mentioned hope, Cassia. One of my notes is actually this is a great story of hope. Um, I just. I feel like most Star Wars stories, you know, I, I think Dave Filoni even said it, you know, when he was discussing the Clone Wars with George Lucas, you know, Star Wars is about hope. So anytime a story centers around that, it, it's usually a good story for me. Uh, the art style is absolutely amazing. Um, the younger sister kind of reminds me of that little kid in the Iron Man helmet uh, facing down the bad guys in Spider-Man, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of like, no. I don't care how small I am. I can take you on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I love kind of the, the allusion to the force there at the beginning and obviously get the cave painting and um, all of that. And I, I really love kind of, um, you know, the, the making mention of, you know, that everyone uh, who had, um, you know, fallen since the empire had come in and uh, taken over the planet basically went to the stars and then you get the symbolism of uh, once that factory is destroyed um, of you know kind of that smog parting and they get to be kind of reunited with their people I thought was was really really beautiful um, uh, spoiler warning if you haven't watched um, in the stars yet because I just wanted to say this because I thought it was super epic uh, the girls are there they're facing down that uh, ATST uh, and you totally think that they're going to start pulling it apart but no they bring the whole freaking place down it's amazing <laughs> so uh yeah so that is um that is in the stars uh another uh really great one there uh from punk robot again uh and then we're getting uh into uh let's see i am your mother by ardman studios this was one that had a lot of uh buzz around it um uh, because obviously uh that's the studio that does wallace and gromit so i think a lot of people were interested to see that i think they might have screened it at celebration i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh let's see what imdb has to say about this one a young pilot, Annie, who is embarrassed by her sweet but clingy mum, must team up with her for a madcap family race at the Academy. Along the way, their relationship is tested by the elements, their old ship, other races, and each other. Uh, I am your mother, Cassia. What did you think about this? We don't get a lot of uh, mother-daughter stuff in Star Wars, so this was a refreshing, uh, refreshing take, I think. Yeah, 
I am your mother, it, it evokes uh, kind of that mythic, like I am your father. And uh, it's just nice to kind of see other types of stories, even if like, like this one isn't canon and it's humorous, like I don't care. It's just nice to see it, you know? Um, and I also want a droid that's basically a dog you know mm. um mm -hmm. for, yeah and it it was just a fun humorous tale and you get to see like different star wars families compete in the evil you know quote unquote evil uh family it's kind of funny because like you see like the the daughter i think it's the van i was gonna say van tusselman's but i think it's van rugelman's i'm probably getting that wrong sorry <laughs> uh super fans out there it's, but it's it's the van reeples i think van reeples okay the 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 girl and the mom like they have the same hair the same mole and uh it's kind of like the vibe i got is like that the van reeple daughter is kind of like just kind of told what to do and does it but i think like um annie's mom might be embarrassing but i think she wants the best for her and like lets her be herself and like lets her go to flight school and it was just a funny touching story and i totally forgot that dennis lawson was in episode nine like kind of just in a brief cameo and mm -hmm. i was kind of like this mm -hmm. is kind of funny that wedge antilles appears in this like played by dennis lawson and he didn't appear in the sequel trilogy but I forgot that he appeared in uh, Rise of Skywalker. He had, he had to be in this one so we could get Wedge Antilles merch, which was maybe the funniest <laughs> bit <laughs> of that, I thought. Uh, but Joe, what did you think here about um, I Am Your Mother? Well, this shows you how little I pay attention to the actual studios that does this art, because my first note on this one was, this looks like Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> With good reason. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, it was it was a really fun story. Uh, it is definitely one of the ones that you don't see very often, so it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air. And, and I love how even in these little Star Wars stories, they always, you know, a lot of people seem to do throwbacks to other things. Like, I don't know if you guys caught the uh, one of the ships that was in that race was the ship that they pilot in the uh, Jedi Fallen Order video game. Mm -hmm. um, or at least the same style of ship anyway. So little things like that like the previous episode with the cave paintings you know that kind of harkens back to the clone wars miniseries where anakin goes through his jedi trials and um they got oh, those yeah. cave paintings in there uh, in one of those episodes Ooh. um so yeah um uh, yeah just a, a really really fun episode yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a really good call there. That uh that Clone Wars uh, miniseries. I'll have to go back and uh, revisit that one. Um, but yeah, this this was amazing. Um, I am your mother. I I really loved it. Uh, just just from the story that it told. Like I said, you know, there's not a lot of uh mother daughter uh relationship examination in Star Wars, so it was kind of neat to see that. It was it was kind of very emotional and and touching. Um, as you got to the end, but there were so many. Um, I'm gonna have to watch this like a hundred times because there are so many like little like Easter eggs and little like insider jokes in this thing. Uh, there was like mm -hmm. a plushy Max Rebo on her bed, I think. In the I missed um... it at first, but I'm like, yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's there. It's there. It's there. Um, yeah, and uh, Joe, you mentioned the the. One 
one ship kind of looks like the uh the mantis there from uh jedi fallen order so yeah there's there's a ton of stuff in this and like i said i loved um you know wedge was was there and you could go get your wedge until he's uh <laughs> merchandise from the merch stand and uh yeah this was this was just a, re a really fun one with a, a really good um kind of story and um you know i i guess uh kind of kind of a, a lesson i guess to teach which i thought was was nice from you know the, something i guess that should be ideally uh aimed at uh children so uh very good there uh what do we got next here we've got uh from south korea we've got journey to the dark head this is from a studio mirror uh company i guess a studio mirror um uh cassia journey to the dark head it says a hopeful mechanic and disillusioned young Jedi team up for a risky and unlikely quest to turn the tide of the Galactic War, but dark forces tail them. Uh, Journey to the Dark Head, what did you think about this one? Very, very different from from Ardman Studios' uh, I Am Your Mother, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a tonal shift for sure, but this kind of got me thinking of season one of Visions, because I was kind of like, oh, like so many of those stories, like some of them could have had continuations, like the eighth Jedi, uh, that would have been cool. And like, this is one I would love to like see a full movie of and like, uh, or at least have a have a sequel to one day. Like, I don't think it'll happen, but I guess that's the cool thing about like imagination. It gets your, it gets your mind going. But mm -hmm. I thought this was five star animation, like, some of the landscape and nature shots, like I want them framed on my wall. Uh, and then kind of like in a different way, like we kind of got some really cool prequel imagery inspired stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like the council chamber of dreams. I'm like, oh, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's kind of cool just to kind of see them go on a mission Um and that's kind of like what Star Wars is about. It's about the upcoming generation proving themselves. Um, and like um, when kind of like the, the Sith character and the Jedi character were fighting, I was like, it's interesting because we're seeing so much blue and red. It's kind of like it's almost in balance, like these these two heads facing each other. And then you kind of see the the blue and red mixing. I'm like, oh, it's a balance, you know? Um mm -hmm. And we we kind of see, like, that's one thing, like, about Star Wars, like, that I hate but also love. Like, there will never be, like, a final, like, balance of the Force. Like, you always kind of have to, like, light and dark will always square off. And sometimes it feels like the galaxy's doomed to just kind of repeat the same patterns. And that bums me out that like a fictional galaxy can never you know get its shiz together you know but <laughs> sure. uh, <laughs> but i love the quote like that he says nothing is fixed light and dark will always coexist and if nothing is set in stone that means there will always be hope and i guess fiction is the lie that enables us to see the truth and probably shoddily you know summarizing a quote by some famous person that i should know off the top of my head but um that that i that's a quote that like enabled me to kind of like see like stories and into my life 
in a different way. Not that my life is a grand story, you know, but like there's always going to be hard times. Um, hmm. But that's just the fact of life of life uh, is like light and dark will always coexist, but there's always hope. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very, uh, very well said there. Um, that definitely is uh, kind of one of the resounding themes in Journey to the Dark Head. But uh, Joe, what what were your thoughts of uh, this one, Journey to the Dark Head? Uh, very similar. You know, the the themes of light and dark will always be um, always be around, and there really is no. I, I think that's kind of what the Jedi character in this story kind of realizes at the end. You know that um, that the force is in balance all the time. And uh, that's what he was kind of on his mission to learn, even though he maybe didn't realize in the beginning that there's light, there's dark, everybody's got a bit of both. And it's just walking the line between the two. Um, I also, I know in a lot of these stories, they don't really go deep into like the timeline where they might fit within the canon, which I, I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one to me feels really kind of pre-rule of two i know they mentioned a galactic war which kind of makes you think it's more you know empire era but it it really feels like pre-rule of tool uh pre-rule of two um mm-hmm. for fans of the books and the whole dark bane trilogy um and it, it's it's weird to me that a lot of these sith especially from earlier times all seem so intent on converting Jedi beyond their will and forcing them towards the dark side. And I understand, you know, they want that control, but I would always be wary of someone that was forced to do something, even, even a Jedi. Yeah. You bring up a really good point that they do kind of seem to, yeah, want to, you know, convert these Jedi to the dark side and things like that. And um, you mentioned kind of, you know, you know, pre, um, you know, what we think of as galactic civil war, pre rule of two, uh, kind of era. And that was, that was kind of one of the things if you, uh, get into like the, um, the old Republican stuff, you had, you know, just, uh, legions of like fallen Jedi, um, and stuff like that. So yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I really like this one, um, uh, upon kind of first watching, um, it, this one didn't stick out to me quite as much, but the more I've thought about it, the more I really like it in the way that they kind of uh, crafted the story because you get kind of the rocks at the beginning with the the rain coming on and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, wetting and then evaporates and you're supposed to kind of, you know, see, uh, you know, what what is meant to be or, you know, kind of see the future and those so they don't really kind of explain that at, at front. So you have to you know, kind of figure that out as you go. They talk about the two heads that you don't really see until they get there. So you ha- you're kind of, you know, flying blind on this stuff. And I really liked kind of this this layered storytelling that you get even, you know, in this 15-ish minutes or whatever uh, this one was. Um, Journey of the Dark Head, I thought had a lot of Mortis vibes to it with the two heads kind of kind of there, you know, fixed on this ring. You could never be, you know, any closer together, just like uh, you had like the the Moons of Mortis and the, the Mortis arc and stuff uh, there too. So, um, I really liked this one. Um, this one was really good and would love to see it uh, continue in some fashion or another. That would be great. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, coming from France at Studio La Cachette in The Spy Dancer. The premier dancer at a famous Imperial frequented cabaret uses her unique skill set to spy for the rebellion, but the presence of a mysterious officer threatens to derail her mission. Cassia, what do you think about the Cirque du Soleil act here for Star Wars Visions Volume 2? 
Um, at first, I was like, Sky Dancer. But then I'm just like, I just need to focus a little bit more and I'll be able to read, you know, words better. Like, it's not Cartoon Saloon. It's not the Sky Dancer. It's the Spy Dancer. Um, but it's funny because when I was watching this, I'm like, it seems French. And then like, I, and then I'm like, oh, that's because it is French, you know? Um, good eye, to me, good eye. It, yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Cirque du Soleil because for me, it kind of evoked the ballet from Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Just kind of like the, the waving leaves kind of looked watery, kind of like the, the, the squid lake from the Man- Mon Calamari opera. But um, it was interesting uh, because it kind of evoked Casablanca for me. And even though I've never seen Cabaret, I'm like, I think this evokes Cabaret, too, you know, and uh, the use of color throughout uh, really just flowed and and made it unique. Like, at first, I was like, oh, it's about a dancing spy. I I don't think I'm going to vibe with this one that well. But surprise, I gave it five stars, you know, Um, and even down to like eye color, I'm kind of like, I think this heterochromia is genetic. And then you kind of learn the whole story that's kind of evoked through like him covering up one of his eyes and like uh, his horns were kind of shorn away, but like you kind of feel a little bit of everything like to the one they say, like to the ones we've lost, you know, like this kind of evoked, uh, to me, like World War Two, like France, like mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. to surrender and uh, kind of had to like put up with with a lot of like Nazi occupation, you know, um, and that kind of comes across like even though it's like rebels and empire, but Star Wars is about family. It's kind of like a soap opera and you see family reunite and like have the possibility of hope, which I think that's what Star Wars is like. If I had to describe it in one word, it might be hope. Yeah, for sure. That is a, a really good parallel there because that's kind of the same vibe uh, that I got, you know, um, from kind of the World War II uh, resistance efforts um, in France there. But uh, before I get into my thoughts, uh, Joe, what do you think about the spy dancer? See, I was worried about this conversation because, you know, I've never done any kind of podcast before. And I shouldn't have been because you both mentioned Cirque du Soleil. And again, (laughs) one of my first notes is Cirque du Soleil vibe for this episode. Um, Very colorful, lots of movement. Um, When they get into some of that battling, you know, the using the ribbons, you know, as as almost like a weapon kind of reminded me of uh, Eraserhead from My Hero Academia, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just Mm -hmm. kind of throwing things around. Um, and maybe throwing in a little bit of Assassin's Creed with that almost kind of hidden blade thing going on that she had. Um, and I had to point out because I'm a chubby guy. Did y'all miss the chubby stormtrooper that walked into the room? <laughs> I, I did. I did notice that. Yeah, the the first uh, kind of pair of stormtroopers that comes in, uh, one is a uh, a little uh, a little heavier than the other. You could say. Yeah, it, it's nice to see a little bit more variety. I know the stormtroopers are supposed to be faceless and kind of you know everybody's the same but you know once the empire kind of took over and there wasn't as many clones everybody wasn't the same and so it's cool to see a little bit of variety there 
yeah, you, you mentioned kind of the, the body type there, but then as they're going around kind of the theater and they have the stormtroopers have their helmets off, you know, there's, um, you know, different, uh, you know, males and females and, uh, different, uh, ethnicities and stuff there for the stormtroopers as well. So I, I did like that little detail. Um, so that was a good pickup there, Joe. Um, yeah, this this one I liked a lot. I liked it kind of from the very first stance. I I did know that this was uh, French and from France. Um, <laughs> so so <laughs> when the uh, the opening kind of uh, title of the spy dancer comes up and it is in the same font as like the the gate at uh, Moulin Rouge for that district in uh, France, I was like, oh okay, this is going to be interesting. And I, I really liked that. I mentioned kind of the resistance uh, vibes from World War II, which was what I I got a lot. And then it you know kind of weaves this. Um, this really kind of heartbreaking uh, kind of family story into it, which to me at least came like as a, as a complete surprise. Like I felt like they did a really good job of kind of masking uh, that reveal, um, you know, and until it happened. And I thought that that was uh, really great. I, re I really liked this one. It was, you know, far different than some of the other uh, stories that we got here, um, you know, between the, the first and second seasons and uh, liked it, liked it a lot. So that was the spy answer. Um, let's see what do we got next uh, from India and 88 Pictures. We've got the Bandits of Golak. Uh, Cassio, what did you think about our uh, train adventure here? The train section reminded me a lot of Lawrence of Arabia. And the animation uh, seemed pretty similar to the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, but it was kind of interesting to see an Indian spin uh, on the Star Wars story. And mm -hmm. it it got intriguing the further it went into the story. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, agree kind of on that, uh, that Clone Wars kind of style. That was the same kind of vibe I got, but I did think that the, the colors were far more vibrant than uh, what mm -hmm. we've gotten in, in Clone Wars. I don't know if it was just more of a, I don't know, like a, like a neon sign uh, kind of representation of those colors, like that kind of color palette. I don't know for sure. But uh, Joe, what did you think about the bandits of Golak here? This is definitely one of my favorite art styles um, that, you know, top three for sure of all these episodes. Uh, very, very fluid and, and fun to look at. Um, this is the only episode that I did kind of look up the studio um, and I don't remember what caused me to do it, but I found out that this is the same studio that uh, worked on like things like Shrek and Kung Fu Panda and how to train your dragon. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, those kind of influences I could see after the fact a little bit um, as far as the art style goes. Um, I did have a little slight disagreement with the choice that the younger sister makes at the end. I don't know if she would have made that choice as easily as she seems to. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happened uh, pretty quick there. Um, I'll give the synopsis here. Fleeing from their village by train and pursued by ferocious imperial forces, a boy and his four sensitive younger sisters seek refuge in a vibrant and dangerous Daba. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that, um, Joe. Like, it, it seemed to kind of happen, um, I, I guess, abruptly from from a stance that it just kind of happened. But, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the Inquisitor show up and uh, kind of start to... Raising, raising all heck in that little uh, village sanctuary thing there, but yeah, she make she makes that decision uh, pretty quickly. I mean, I guess you kind of have uh -huh. to if it's if it's a short story for sure. But um, I really liked the way that this looked. I liked kind of um, this adventure of you know these two kids on the train and uh, you know trying to you know kind of kind of evade uh, capture on this train all over you know grabbing a flute and trying to get some candy. I really liked that. 
um, kind of their pilgrimage then to this uh, kind of safe haven for them. I really liked the, uh, you know, you know, parting parting the sea there to uh reveal the uh little jedi uh logo and passageway down underneath there i liked that uh, uh yeah. quite a bit um i don't know yeah I, I, I don't know i agree she she made that uh decision uh pretty quickly which i guess is um kind of an interesting take you know as something you know that we know of the jedi to do to kind of you know just go out and find force sensitive children and <laughs> take take them into the Jedi Temple. So I guess that that you know that happens. So, um, but yeah, this one this one was great. I really liked the way that it looked, and I liked um, you know it had a a very very different vibe than than you know things we've seen in Star Wars before. So I liked that quite a bit. So uh, that was the Bandits of Golak. Uh, got a couple more here. Uh, next mm-hmm. up uh, from Japan and uh, also the United States because I guess Lucasfilm uh, pitched in on this one. And D.R. Shitahio uh, is the pit. So according to IMDb, this says that a fearless young prisoner forced to dig for Kyber by the Empire plans a risky escape for he and his people. Uh, so Cassia, uh, the pit, uh, it's a, a very uh, pointed tale, I think, at our <laughs> current modern society. But what did you think about this one? Yeah, it definitely evokes a lot of our current world and in my review I was like this is an al- a great allegory about how our smartphones are made because I was thinking like sometimes it, we like to say like life is symbiotic you know but sometimes it just feels like exploitative you know like Mm -hmm. probably like even just like me getting a phone you know like to me it just like arrives in the mail but like maybe like how it was made kind of like evokes you know the story of the pit you know and it's like how do we change the world that has like such set systems and like such injustice you know and there's all these debates like oh you have to like uh do it this way this way this way uh and like sometimes just like people like saying follow the light like you know some people be like that's too simple it's stupid it can be taken advantage of you know but sometimes it's just good to help people and i think the pit is an allegory to like that kind of like shows them the mirror on like some of the injustice in our world and like how we can maybe solve it and maybe like it has a very sweet ending you know like but I think that's what stories are meant to do it's meant to show you like things can get better and like we should want a, a better society you know and stories kind of help us uh see the world better so maybe i'm just rambling but uh that's kind of what star wars is it's about following the light having hope and you see the character looking kind of at a binary star sunset and um yeah i like the pit yeah absolutely it definitely um harkens back to kind of the the original sort of messaging from from Star Wars, right, to uh, fight back and stand up and uh, speak out against uh, oppressors and things like that. So uh, what do you think about the pit, Joe? 
Well, I'm kind of rethinking what I thought, actually, because initially this was probably my least favorite episode because I felt like the Empire uh, was almost too cruel, uh, you know, just by Mm. their actions. I I didn't think that I I know the Empire is mostly oppressive, but I didn't feel like they would be that super cool to a resource that they could possibly exploit further. But mm-hmm. thinking about Cassie's comments about the allegory towards our world, it's making me re re kind of think that, you know, a little bit. That's maybe that's kind of the point is it's in actuality, if this was a real life happening, you know, maybe they wouldn't be that cruel. But the point is to exaggerate a little bit, to point out those differences, to point out those injustices um, and kind of take a step back and look at things from a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. This one uh, definitely was all about kind of the perspective and the way that you looked at it, I think. Um, so very well said. Um, yeah, the the pit is, uh, I, I don't know, it was, it was very hard. It was very kind of kind of brutal, like you mentioned, Joe. It was like even, it seemed even like <laughs> cruel beyond, you know, the the oppressive uh, empire, right? Um, yeah. You know, to, to have these people mine uh, so far down and then just uh, leave them there to... <laughs> do whatever until the end of time um it had similar kind of vibes to uh what we just saw in andor uh with the prison there too where you're basically just um you know taking this uh prison labor and just forcing them uh to work and work and work without any chance of ever uh really ha- having any sort of uh reprieve from that or any freedom from that or um you know you know paying your paying your penance and uh rejoining society uh, so to speak um to like that and i really liked kind of the the messaging there that you know all of these uh you know prisoners had been you know kind of put in this position to to dig dig for uh kyber and stuff and uh you know the empire was just looking at it as like some precious material and then uh when the 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 guy climbs out of the pit and runs his way into the city and uh, says that, and they kind of pan up to um, it's, it's basically just like an ornate decoration in one of their buildings. So they'd, you know, been doing that just for, you know, <laughs> just for something, uh, you know, completely non substantial to anyone there in the city. And then uh, you get that kind of uh, twist in, in the pit of your stomach there for a second as uh, everyone starts to leave then, and you don't know if they're going to help them or not, which I think is also kind of a, a really great kind of parallel to, uh, real life uh, there as well, right? I mean, you can, you know, ask people to follow the light, but are they going to? And, you know, ultimately uh, they do here in the story, spoiler warning. Uh, but yeah, that was the the pit. It was a, a really good one. It was one that definitely kind of stuck with me and in my uh, brain there for the rest of the day as uh, I watched through these. And that leaves us with our last one. South Africa's Triggerfish uh, brings us Ayu's song. So this one is an alien child who longs to sing, is raised by her loving but stern father to stay quiet because of the <laughs> calamitous effect. <sighs> calamitous? Holy moly. The calamitous effect her voice has on the crystals in the nearby mines. Uh, so Ayu's song. Cassia, what did you think about this one? It was really interesting to start off a short story with opening credits it's a it's a very star wars motif um it was just i think it was like the cutest animation style too like i couldn't quite tell if it was cgi or like stop motion but what i what i suspect is it's cgi made to look like stop motion mm-hmm. um but 
it was just kind of the cutest story um and she kind of sees the kyber crystal without seeing them they call to her and she's able to help and turn the red kyber and you kind of see it go colorful and then turn to white like she purified like all of it you know maybe she upset the local economy but um because they're all changed you know but um mm-hmm. i guess they still have to mine it so hopefully their economy's still you know in a in a good uh in a good way but um yeah and like the blue sky at the end it just um it evoked you know that star wars hope yeah like like i think i understand star wars better after seeing visions like sometimes you have to exit you know the canonical story to be able to see what a story is about maybe you know so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, for sure absolutely um joe what did you think about au's song i I love the aspect of purifying the kyber crystals um it was something that was touched on in the book ahsoka uh i forget who wrote that um but after ahsoka left the jedi order and uh, in the book anyway uh she kind of left her lightsabers behind but then rebuilt them but the only kyber crystals she could find were sith kyber crystals and in the story she purifies those kyber crystals and that's why her blades are white at the end of it so seeing that visually and something else uh was really fun for me and it was cool in my opinion anyway i use voice at the end to me is very similar it's it's a conduit for the force i think you know similar to the way thor's hammer was a conduit for his his thunder and lightning ability in, in the avengers movies in the beginning so it's it's a a focus point and yeah a focus point that isn't necessarily focused can have catastrophic defe- effects uh but if you learn how to use it properly now you get this whole pure absolutely beautiful reaction from it yeah absolutely well said um yeah that's that was kind of my big takeaway from this episode was that you're seeing kind of that different interpretation of the force there and um kind of the volatility of it um if any of the listeners out there if you've read like any of the high republic stuff it does a really good job of kind of um describing the force in the way that you know the different jedi um you know kind of see and interpret and use and feel the force and that's kind of what this felt like to me right as she's using kind of the you know her her song basically is her conduit of of the force and i really like that i really liked the the animation style here is kind of like this like like felt stop motion thing i think it was probably all done on computer i don't think it was actual stop motion but it looked really cool um i thought and um yeah just the the story there between uh the father and the daughter and uh kind of their relationship and then you know her discovering uh you know kind of kind of this gift that she that she had that she always kind of had suspected that she had and um what that was going to mean going forth and I like the kind of visualization as, you know, she went into the cave and, um, you know, started to started to sing and all of the, you know, red uh, kyber crystals were uh, turning white and kind of, you know, solidifying and stabilizing kind of this uh, collapse that's happening. I thought it was was uh, really pretty great. And uh, I loved it. There was that little bug that she pulled off of the thing. That was super cute. I love that, too. So, um, 
<laughs> so yeah, so that mm-hmm. is uh that is uh AU song. So that is that is all nine of those. Uh we went through those pretty quick. Um like I said, we didn't want to get into like the the nitty-gritty of the, you know, what happened in the stories too much, trying to stay not, you know, not spoiler free necessarily, but you know, give you a chance to watch those and kind of form your own conclusions. But I thought that that was uh, you know, pretty fun way to get through those and um you know, make sense of, of what we liked and kind of the themes of those. Uh, so now that we've finished, um, Joe, let's, uh, let's start with you. Um, I want to hear kind of just your, your general thoughts on, uh, volume two. Um, you don't, you don't have to necessarily compare it to, uh, volume one unless, unless you want to, uh, sometimes I don't, I don't really like comparing things sometimes. Sometimes I do. I, I find it helpful. So I'm going to leave that up to you if you want to uh, compare and contrast the two seasons that we got, because they were they were very different, obviously. But uh, what were kind of your overall thoughts, impressions on volume two? Anything from any of the episodes that we uh, left out going through there that you wanted to uh, make sure you mentioned? I'm going to give you the stage, so to speak. So what do you think about volume two, Joe? Uh, last note on Ayu's song, uh, one of my notes I've got written down is the Velveteen Rabbit does a Star Wars story. Mm. Uh, that That's kind of what the art style reminded me of. Uh, but overall, I think Visions in general, and especially Visions uh, Volume 2, really encapsulates what I like about the extended universe uh, media, uh, whether that be comic books or uh, you know regular novels or video games especially ones that don't deal with what are in the uh, the skywalker saga uh movies so to say mm-hmm. always always a good message of hope always a good message of family always a good message of balance warning against the dangers of going into too far extreme one way or the other you know if you fall too far to the dark side obviously the evilness that can come from that but um, one thing a lot of people don't talk about is maybe too far towards the light. Now you get the dogmatic approach of the Jedi in the prequel era um, and that whole detachment, maybe setting them a little too outside of the uh, realm of uh, compassion, you know, in, in the name of keeping the peace. Um, so it's a good cautionary tale either way, but you know, at the heart of it, it's all, for me, it's always about a good story. And and every episode of Visions has been a really good story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very well said. Um, Cassio, what were your kind of general um, impressions, takeaways from the volume two stories or anything you want to add about any of the uh, episodes that we saw or? Yeah, I loved volume one of Visions and I think two improves on it by kind of expanding the scope to uh, studios all over the world. And I don't know, like, I think like season two kind of evokes hope, you know, and you're probably one of like the most positive people, you know, out there, Brian, like, but for me, like, uh, like, the current Star Wars scape, like, I haven't been as in love with it, you know, like, I really loved Andor, and I really loved Reva's redemption arc, uh, and Kenobi, but, like, some of it, I, I just have kind of felt, like, a little, a little disappointed, but I'm just kind of, like, when I was watching, uh, volume two, of visions i was like kind of hope they make more of this you know and um 
it kind of feels more like Star Wars, even if it isn't like quote unquote canon, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of reminds me what Star Wars is about, like hope, wonder, awe, dark and light. And rather than it just kind of feeling like a little MCU-ish or like kind of like how do we make a show like so we can make some really cool products out of it like and maybe that's just like me kind of uh needing to be more more positive you know but uh I I loved uh volume two because it, it reminds me like why I love Star Wars yeah for sure I mean it definitely definitely tells you um you know all all the things and all the reasons why you like Star Wars these stories of hope these uh stories of you know banding together and fighting for what you love and that was definitely kind of the theme I thought for Star Wars Vision 2 it was a lot of a lot of family stories a lot of um you know joining together and and you know rising up against against the empire against your oppressors um I think you know, conversely, and, you know, there, there are a couple that were, you know, kind of the other way, but it felt to me like Visions Volume 1 really focused a lot more on kind of the Force and, you know, being a Jedi and the Sith and stuff like that, whereas Visions Volume 2 really seemed to be a little bit more um, kind of personal stories and, like I said, kind of, kind of, you know, banding together and, and rising up. That was kind of the overall tone, I guess, I got from uh, Visions Volume 2. Um, but I loved it. I There there wasn't one of these that I didn't absolutely love. Um you know, volume one, I liked a lot. Um, but, but looking back on it, there were a, a couple of standouts to me, um, within visions volume one and the rest of them, I thought were all pretty good. Uh, visions volume two, like all of these really stand out to me. Like I would be, uh, you know, up for watching any of these, you know, short stories, you know, again and again. And one of the, one of the things I really like about this is they feel like stories that would exist within the Star Wars world. Uh, we've talked about it, a couple things, you know, like the the Skywalker family at War book. You know, we talked about how you could go into the uh, the Jedi archives and maybe pull that off of the library shelf. Like these seem like something that they would like like screen in uh, I don't know, like your <laughs> Star Wars classroom or something, as as this like Star Wars fairy tale or something that would exist like in in that world. And I love uh, kind of stuff like that and thoughts like that. So yeah, absolutely loved uh, Volume Two. So hopefully everyone out there listening has had a chance to watch or kind of has their uh, favorites of these stories and, you know, feel free to reach out and let us know which one uh, was your favorite for sure. Um, so that is Star Wars Visions Volume 2, uh, kind of in a nutshell. Um, looking into our crystal balls here, uh, I have I have two questions. Um, first, we're going to stick with Volume 2 here. So from Star Wars Visions Volume 1, we had the Ronin book, which followed up on the duel. Um are there any of these stories that either of you would like to see explored further um, in more stories in a book, um, in a comic adaptation? I don't know if we're going to get that from any of these stories, um, but it's always fun to kind of hypothesize or which one of these stories really stuck out to you as one that you might like to see um, expanded upon. Uh, Joe, I know you're into you're into these stories. You'd probably read a book about any of these if they came out. So which of these stories uh, would you like to see, uh, hypothetically speaking? Oh, I have to pick just one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can you can pick you can pick nine, but I guess the, I guess I guess the one or two might be better. I don't know. Um, I, I think Journey to the Dark Head would make an excellent book overall. Um, the Bandits of Golak uh, feels like it could be like the intro to a book, like the, the book would pick up where that episode ends, and I'd like to see where that story goes. Um. 
and Al song, Alu. I know I'm saying that wrong, but to see what what she could accomplish with her voice, um, I think could make a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, any of the any of kind of the the Jedi. Uh, like Padawan centric ones are definitely ripe for more storytelling because we want to know what happens, you know, to these uh, these potential uh, Jedi or you know uh, Sith potentially in the uh, case of Screechers Reach would have in store. But uh, what do you think, Cassie? Any of these you'd like to see expanded upon or? Uh, definitely Journey to the Dark Head. I would love to see it as a full movie, because um, uh, I think the visuals are just so strong in it. Uh, I, I would love to see a, a full like movie or, or trilogy and I know that's probably not going to happen and it makes me sad but <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's what <laughs> it would be cool to see but um I did have a friend like I I asked that we watched some of Visions 2 uh Vision season 2 together and I said what would you want in season 3 and he said a puppet show and I'm like mm. Okay. interesting like i think if it were a live action puppet show I, I think it might ruin the allure for me but uh if it was animated sure go for it uh and then i had another friend like say like i want more star wars horror and i was like wait until you see episode two of visions <laughs> volume two then like <laughs> by cartoon saloon i mean saloon <laughs> oh my gosh but, that's right yeah yeah for yeah. sure uh definitely has some horror vibes there yeah and that is a that is a great gateway then uh into kind of the the parting question that i was going to ask the both of you um what would you like to see for uh visions volume three I, they haven't announced visions volume three i would i would think that this will probably be an ongoing thing but it's hard to say um but joe if uh season three what what do you think is there any I don't know anything in particular you would like to see. I mean, we don't have to get into like uh, specifics about you know studios and things like that, but just just kind of generally speaking, I guess, is there anything you'd like to like to see or some ground that hasn't been covered yet between the two volumes? Or Mandalorians. I love the Mandalorians. Uh, okay, that that would be my biggest. You know, um, that, that's really the only thing I haven't seen in Visions. You know, there's a little bit of everything, but I would really like to see the Mandalorian culture explored a lot more. Oh. Okay. Yeah, there would definitely be a lot of really good stories to tell uh, there. Obviously, you know, we have Mandalorian uh, history, you know, between legends and, you know, what we've got so far uh, within like the Mandalorian stuff like that. Um, definitely a long, lengthy uh, timeline of stories mm -hmm. to tell and wars to wage and things like that. So, yeah, that would be that would be really cool. Everything so far has seemed to kind of focus on some sort of force aspect or another, maybe, you know, with the exception of like, I am your mother and what was that? Uh, the Tatooine Rhapsody. Uh, but pretty much all the rest of these have had some sort of uh, force uh, kind of component to them. So, yeah, Mandalorians would be a really fun one uh, to dig into and you could make it, you know, lighthearted you could make it uh you know like i said kind of like this war type of a story or you know just something in uh to dig into like the the culture and civilization of uh mandalorians that would be that would be pretty cool so that would be a good idea uh what do you think cassia any any kind of ideas or unexplored territory uh to get into uh Kraya ice capade something like that we could see visions volume three i don't know what oh, do you think don't tempt me with the <laughs> the Kraya ice capade <laughs> Or, you know, the KOTOR 2 college textbook, you know, <laughs> uh, or Max Rebo just, you know, like 
having a musical journey you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. it's too tantalizing and uh I, I i just lose it but um oh i forgot to to mention that one of my friends also said like a training day plot about jedi would be cool and i'm like that would be Uh-oh. cool that would be interesting mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for for me um i just think like getting different animated studios like from all over the world just continue that trend you know uh let people like follow their imagination where where they will um and one story i would like is just like about shamans like in star wars whether they're jedi or sith or kind of unaffiliated like what would it kind of be to kind of be like a a leader over uh people's well-being and like life and death and like kind of teaching the myths in a in a galaxy kind of influenced by the force like that mm-hmm. that would be cool for me yeah it would be cool I, that that kind of immediately thinks makes me think of um you know kind of an andor there where you have the the natives there of i forget the name of that planet where they're uh doing the that credit heist kind of thing but you know you have those people journeying back and you have kind of the the elder there leading leading the way so yeah stories like that would be uh really great and really you know uh, something really kind of rich and interesting to dig into you know between the you know lots and lots of star wars planets and uh you know original inhabitants and things that would be that'd be something that would be really interesting um i don't specifically have uh, an idea for for a good story uh like the both of you but i would really really like to see um and maybe this would be kind of meta in uh sort of a way but i would really like pixar to do a short for visions oh might be fun because Pixar is really good at uh, doing shorts. Um, they're very good at storytelling. And, you know, Pixar being a product of Lucasfilm that was, you know, bought by Disney and then uh, Lucasfilm fell under Disney. So it's kind of coming full circle. But I would really like to see a Pixar uh, short from them. Um, but I really liked kind of the season and how we went, you know, around the world and got different uh, flavors of things, which I think is one of my uh, things that I really liked about Visions Volume 2 was just that everything felt so kind of so kind of different and representative of the cultures and societies that you know they were taking place in and you know being created in and you know the people working on them i thought that that was that was amazing and i love to see stuff like that and uh hopefully there's a bunch more animation studios out there that are uh you know hoping to to do these and hopping on board and able to tell their stories and hopefully i haven't looked um maybe either of you could tell me if they are i know visions volume one had kind of behind the scenes uh creating where they did like a little uh kind of mini documentary with each of the studios hopefully something like that is uh on there for visions volume two or will be coming i think that that would be really cool um i know we had kind of the panel where they each of the studios talked but i would like a little little documentary to kind of watch i think that would be uh really awesome so uh yeah that is visions volume two uh like i said we kind of went through those pretty quick but it was uh, really great and we definitely wanted to talk about it and we definitely wanted to have joe on to talk about it because he loves stories as much as we do so joe thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today thank you for having me it was really fun awesome yeah no uh the the pleasure was all ours i guarantee it um uh if anyone out there uh, listening if they want to to talk to you online um people wanted to chat with you more about visions and stories where can they do that uh, i think most of my handles are at jw bookworm and it's bookworm with a y like the dragon okay Ooh. 
Awesome. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, definitely get on there um, and uh, check that out and uh, talk to Joe because, uh, like I said, Joe knows stories and uh, we love to love to chat about them uh, here on the Old Republic podcast. So, uh, Cassia, that is Visions Volume Two. Uh, what do you think? Did you did you get to see them enough yet? Are you going to watch them again? What do you What do you think? Um, I it kind of influenced me to want to see parts of visions volume one again and uh maybe i'll watch uh some of the ones i haven't watched multiple times you know visions volume two so it's all good content and yeah (laughs) all right awesome well thank you out there for uh listening let us know what your favorite uh uh, volume of visions what your favorite visions episode was who your favorite studio was or story um anything like that or if you have ideas for visions volume three let us know we'd love to chat with you about it and thanks for tuning into this one and may the force be with you may the force be with you may the force be with you Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.